morning everybody and thank you for joining in here on rise up here on lfa tv that was brandon lake and chandler moore fear is not my future you know what i love about that song the most is that end part when it says stop mourning it's the morning just an incredible line wake up get up start the day stop mourning It's the morning. And what do we do in the morning, folks? We rise up and we give our thanks to God for another day on this earth. Logan, thank you very much. My weekend was was really good. I hope your weekend was good as well. I hope it was filled with grace and salvation and mercy and worship and love and kindness and fun and joy and happiness and all of that. And, you know, we are starting a new week here on Rise Up. New day, new week, 
hopefully some new people. If you are new to the channel, please uh, like, follow, subscribe, all that stuff, and join us every day. We start here every day at 9 a.m. for this Rise Up devotional show, which is my personal journey with Jesus. And then the rest of the day, we move on and bring you the truth of what is going on from sea to shining sea in this great country that we call the United States of America. However, we have to be very, very weary and cognizant of the fact that Christianity doesn't just belong to here and us in America, uh, here uh, to all of us in America, okay? Christianity belongs all over the world. That's what Jesus wanted. That's what God's wa- God wanted. And he commanded us to spread the gospel. And that's what we're doing. Kittenhead said, Jeremy, my favorite day of the week when I reunite with Jeremy, Eli, and the rest of my LFA family. Same with mine. I literally have, uh, I, 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 I go through withdrawals uh, all weekend long, uh, you know, because we spend more time together than I spend with anybody in my life right here on LFA TV in this studio together with all of you guys. And um, it's nice. And it's really nice to come back after the weekend, especially if you've learned something uh, at church or in your community or you've had a revelation, uh, you know, with your journey with Jesus and you get to bring it to everybody again on Monday and, you know, kind of hype everybody up and get them inspired and enthused for the week. And, uh, you know, that's where we are. So I titled today's show for the price of free 99. How many of you have heard that before? For the price of free 99. I saw somebody said, did you get the email I sent over the weekend? No, we're about three years behind on emails. So, you know, we get to them when we can get to them. We do not check them daily. We don't even check them weekly sometimes because we just don't have that kind of a procedure yet. Once December 1st comes, I'll be able to monitor emails daily. And that's another reason for switching around the shows uh, come December 1st. So... How you doing, Sheevy? Good to see you. Thank you very much. Uh, free 99. I, I use that growing up all the time. It's like, hey, is it, somebody say, hey, you want to go do this? And I'll be like, I don't know. Is it, free, is it for the price of free 99? Because I'm about as broke as a joke, and I ain't got a dollar in my name. I ain't even got any money to pitch in on gas. So if you want me to come, it's got to be for the price of free 99. I used to say that as a kid all the time. And then as I was coming to work this morning... Actually, as I was having coffee this morning, before I left for work, God kept telling me Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. And I kept hearing Isaiah 55, 8. Isaiah 55, 8. And when I got to the studio and I opened up the Bible and opened up the devotionals and I went to 55, 8, I, I always read in, in the, the verse in which God directs me to first. Then the next, the very next thing I do is I go and I read the verse in context. I read the whole chapter because I want to know in which that, what context that verse was, was put in. So I went to 55.8 and I read 55.8 and 55.8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways. 
And then it uh, goes on to say, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Then I went and I read the chapter. And I ended up settling on Isaiah 55, 1 and 2 for my verse of the day. However, verse 55, 1 and 2, obviously, is the precursor to Isaiah 55, 8. So let's get to that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer now that we're 15 minutes past the hour. And I want to go and I want to read 55, 1 through 10 or 12 so you can understand I believe why God wanted me to do this verse today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Again, for the price of free 99, we're talking about what God offers. And then the opposite of that, okay? So let's go to the Lord in prayer now. In Jesus' name, please bow your head, and let's go to our Father in prayer. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you've given to us as a new covenant to be with you again for what he endured on the cross. That wasn't free. Our price is free because of what your son, our savior, Yeshua, did for us on that cross. Jesus paid the cost for our food, for our breath, for our eyes and ears, for our love, and for our salvation. And for that, we don't have to pay you anything. It's already been purchased with the blood of Yeshua. So Lord, we thank you so much today for making eternity obtainable for us knowing that we could never, ever, ever pay what that price is. You've given somebody to us so that they paid that for us and gave us freedom. And for that, Lord, we are eternally grateful. Lord, there are so many people in the chat that are having issues right now with their family members, with themselves, health, pet health. And Lord, we just pray that you can ease their pain, and answer their prayers to get them back on track. And we know that you bring us through trials and tribulations to strengthen us for what is to come, and we thank you for that as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Free 99. That's how much salvation costs. Free 99. Now, before we get into this, I heard something this weekend that I'd like to echo if I could. And a guy asked, who is God's opposite? Who is God's opposite? What is God's opposite? And the answer is there is none because there is nobody equal to or even in the same realm of talking about being equal with God. A lot of people would say, oh, you probably think that Satan is the opposite of God. 
That's not true. Satan isn't even close to the opposite of God. Satan has no power to create, has no power to bring together, has no power. Now, the logical thought is, well, the opposite of create is destroy. But here's the thing. To be somebody's equal or, or, or opposite, you have to have equal power. It might be the opposite power, but you have to have equal ability, equal power, equal resources to be the opposite. Exactly right. It's like comparing apples to oranges. Or how about it's like comparing apples to an entire grape vineyard field that stretches for eternity. And you're stuck with one apple. So I just heard that this weekend, and I thought that was pretty incredible because he'll ask you, who is, God, who is the opposite of God? And everybody said Satan. He said, ah, no, 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 no. He has no opposite. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the now. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He's everything. Satan's nothing. And the only th- time Satan is anything is if you allow him to be something. So I just thought that was a pretty incredible statement that somebody made this weekend, and uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty, pretty incredible. So let's move on to the verse of the day today, again, which I titled, For the Price of Free 99. And this verse today, like I said, is going to come from Isaiah 55, but we're going to go from 1 And two, that's the verse, but then we're going to read the rest in context, okay? So, let's go, let's get into it. If you have your Bibles, please open up to Isaiah 55, verse 1. 55, verse 1 says, it's titled, An Invitation to Abundant Life Overfloweth of Blessings better word to, a better way to describe abundance overflowing too much for you to handle right it says ho everyone who thirsts come to the waters and you who have no money come buy and eat Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money on what is not bread? And your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. And eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about you desiring, by default, everything in this world that is material, temporary, and unholy. Can't pass up a good sale. 
Don't need that, but it's 50% off. Better buy it. Again, he says, why do you spend money on what is not bread? Talking about the bread of heaven. Not talking about the food of here, the food of life. And your wages on what does not satisfy. Spending money on stuff that doesn't satisfy you eternally. It satisfies you enough to make you happy, not to bring you joy. Right? If I go out and buy a brand new car, I'm not trying to say anything because Logan got a brand new car. I'm just saying, using this as, a, as, an, an, as an analogy, as an example. If I go out and buy a brand new car with zero miles on it, but I didn't need one. My car was only, let's say, three, four years old. Didn't need a new car. But I went out and I spent my money on that car. That's going to make me happy for about two weeks tops. It's going to make me happy for about two weeks, maybe a month, and then it wears off. However, if I don't need the new car, because my car is only a few years old, and I take that money that I put down for a down payment, and I take the money that I wasted because I traded my car in too early and I had an, a rollover and I take that amount of money and I took that money and I went and I gave it to pe- a family that was living under a bridge and had nothing, I would feel so much more joyful for eternity than I would about buying that car that I didn't need. That is what God's talking about. Why do you spend your money on what is not bread and your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. That's an analogy. Be holy. Don't be selfish. Don't buy things just because it's a good deal. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you a very sad story that will probably make you cry because it made me cry when I saw it. It made me cry when I repeated it to my wife, and it will probably make me cry now. So I hope you have your rise-up tissues because you're going to need them. Especially all of those of you who grew up very poor like I did. It hits a different string in your heart when you see what I'm about to explain to you. Everybody here knows my past, okay? We don't have to rehash that. And for those who don't, let me give you a five-second overview. Parents addicted to drugs, massive fornication going in and on, uh, in and out of my house daily with my parents and different swingers, this, that, and the other. Crack addictions. I was raising children, about five of them. When I was 12 years old and I got beat constantly and we were so poor we had to pick up cans on the side of the street to eat. There you go. Now, I never, ever, ever vowed to not be poor. I vowed that I would not allow my kids to grow up the same way I grew up in any way, shape, or form. I never vowed to be rich or anything like that. I never said I need all the money in the world. I just wanted my children to not grow up the same way I did. 
And I have four teenagers and I have a six-year-old daughter. Saturday morning. I was coming to the studio to drop off a few things. And I was going up by the soup kitchen in my town. Now, the soup kitchen in my town just happens to be on one of the most, if not the most poorest street in our county. You go down this street and what you see is drug addicts, alcoholics, dysfunctional families, children being yelled at, screamed at, sometimes beat. It's a bad place in town. It's right by the soup kitchen. So I drove up by it. And you know when life slows down and it feels like 10 seconds takes 10 minutes? Well, that's what happened to me. I drove up over the hill by the soup kitchen. And as I got to the top of the hill, if you drive for about a quarter mile, you'll go past St. Mary's. um, Looks like a little tiny university, but it's just a school. St. Mary's school and then another church. And then you get back out onto the other road. Well, as I'm driving up to the churches... I see a a couple with a child walking toward me. And as I'm getting closer, I'm slowing down because there's a lot of like bumps like this. So I'm slowing down. And the first thing that I see is the father. He's walking about five feet in front of the wife and the child. And the only reason I knew they were together was because prior to driving up on them, I saw them talking and him bending down, talking to her, and then him speed up. The wife and and the husband were arguing. And that's what that was the interaction I saw as I came over the hill. And then I saw him walk away from her. And then I saw her get on the phone. And then the daughter was walking with her. Now, the daughter was probably my daughter's age, six years old. Okay? You can tell she's never had a haircut in her life. Her hair was probably all the way down to the bottom of her butt and was raggedy and was um, greasy and was tangled. And he looked to me, and I don't want to assume, but I've been around enough of it to see this. He looked like he was addicted to crack or meth. He had sores all over his face. He had no teeth. He had a hoodie up. He had a jacket on. He was super, super skinny. And he had a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And he was like talking to himself or whatever, screaming. His daughter and wife or girlfriend or whatever were about five, 10 feet behind him. And the mother was on her phone and she looked up and she was screaming at him and she was the same way. Long, scraggly, greasy hair, no teeth. And I'm not saying that these people probably didn't have no teeth because they just maybe had bad dentures. They looked like meth heads. Okay. And when you're a meth head, you lose your teeth or a crackhead, you, you lose your teeth pretty quickly. And so that's what it looked like to me. But that didn't bother me as much as the next scene. The little girl. The little six-year-old girl was trying to reach for her mom's hand and her mom was on the phone and you could see she was kind of doing this and she wouldn't listen to her and you could see her daughter was trying to plead with her. The dad was five feet ahead of her, six, ten feet ahead of her, you know, yelling. And the little girl had the most raggedy of clothes on, like raggedy. And what made me cry about that moment was 
was that that little girl doesn't know anything else. That, doesn't, that little girl doesn't know that what she's going through is bad, sad, hurtful, and not normal. To her, that's just life. That's her mom and dad. Now, I'm not saying that her mom and dad don't love her. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't know how to show it. But everything in my body wanted to stop and give her a hug and tell her everything was going to be okay because you could see the pain on her face. And the father and the mother... And I thought to myself, how many people in this world right now are going through that same thing? And how many people don't have Jesus in their life? And it was an unbearable scene because I've been there. I grew up that way myself, same exact way. And only Jesus could pull me out of that. And it was 30-something years later. I just wanted to stop my truck, run across the street, give her a hug, give her a hundred bucks or something, you know, and say, don't spend this on whatever you want, honey. Go make yourself happy. Because I thought about my daughter growing up the way I did. I was getting beat at seven years old, eight years old, nine years old. Okay? I had a Coke dealer put a 357 to my forehead and touch my skin with the cold metal of a gun when I was 12. Okay? And I don't understand... As a father, how any parent could put their child through that, especially when God is right here, right now, Jesus is with them right now, offering them joy and peace and a loving family with no drugs and no alcohol for the price of free 99. I don't understand. And I pray so much for people like that. I grew up extremely poor. Every day is a struggle, says Jephoff. Daisy says, Jeremy, I was beat too with the belt and the buckle bare bottom for the littlest thing. T. Mitchell says, because they are without God. How long did it take you before you found the Lord? Long time. You can't help but get it, Jeremy. Those are flashbacks. They're a part of you. 
But those feelings will propel you to where you are going. God will use all of it. He sure will. He sure does. Then I thought about that little girl all night. Thought about her the next day. Thought about her today. Talking about her now. No, I wasn't into coke when I was 12 years old. My parents were. The guy put the gun to my head because he couldn't find my parents who stole cocaine from his house. Came looking for them at 3 in the morning. Unfortunately for me, they were gone in Connecticut on a coke binge for a few days, and I was home alone with the children, with the four other kids. And he came and put a gun to my head for what my parents did. And I had no idea what the heck was going on. So no, I wasn't into coke. Matter of fact, the only into coke I ever was was selling it when I got a little older. But that little girl has been on my mind and I can't stop thinking of her. I don't know what to do. I want to save her. Imagine that's, imagine how Jesus must have felt when he was here walking this earth. Imagine how he just, how his heart must have broke every time he walked into a city. Every time he came into a village, his heart must have broke. Could you call CPS on them? I don't know who they are. I just don't know who they are. Casey says his heart has to be breaking looking into our world right now. Amen. Let's get back to the verses though, okay? We stopped with, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. After all, he said, come and purchase money and food and everything without price. I want to read verse 3 through 6, which says, Incline incline your ear to me and come to me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people a leader, and a commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, doesn't say for the Holy One of Palestine, doesn't say for the Holy One of Hamas. It says for the Holy One of Israel. For he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. I'm going to end it right there. Seek the Lord. When you can call upon him. Excuse me. Seek the Lord while you can still call upon him. 
Call upon him while he is near. What does that tell you? It tells you he's not going to be there forever and your opportunity to go to heaven to be with him is not going to be there forever. You have a very limited time and you could be gone tomorrow. 150,000 people die a year in this country. You could be one of them. I mean, a day, excuse me, a day. You could be one of them. Call on him while he's near. Be in communication with him while he's near or you're not going to get the opportunity and it's going to be too late. And by the way, when you do, everything in your life does a complete 180 and everything is made new. Your desires are no longer your desires. You have a hope that you've never, ever had before. And you have to pay absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, the only thing that you have to do is receive. You don't have to give anything. You just have to receive. And it's free. And it's eternal. And it's beautiful. And it's something like you've never experienced on this earth. That I can promise you. So if you will all please pray for that little girl. I would appreciate it. Again, don't know her name. Don't need to. God knows who we're talking about. I want to go into uh, doing God's will. One minute prayer for dads. James 1.22. James 1.22. Doing God's will. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. Dads have special ways of doing not just hearing God's word. The doing involves training our children, praying with them, playing with them, providing for them, and making them secure in their lives, in their homes, in their skin, in their soul, with who they are, with who God created them to be. All of the above. This is God's will for us. It's what he wants us dads to do. Father, help me to be a doer of your will with the whole self, my whole self, not just someone who hears with my ears. Help me put feet to my faith, especially in the lives of my kids. Your will for me as their father is to do right by them, to make sure, to make you known to them by my words and actions, by doing what your words say. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible to do the will of God without knowing what the word of God says? Maybe temporarily. Maybe temporarily if God chooses you, chooses you to do something and does it without you even. He did it for Paul. But not long term. You cannot do that long term. Those are moments of inspiration from God. But if you're talking long term. You cannot do what God wills if you don't know the word of God. You must read the word of God. It is a love letter from him to you. Yes, your spirit can activate and be inspired to do something in which you didn't even know was in the Bible. However, long term, in order for you to do God's will on your, throughout your life, you must know the word of God. Period.
Again, help me to be a full doer of the word. Lord, help me make your will my will. Help me make your priorities my priorities. And help me demonstrate to my children what doing your will actually looks like. God's will is not, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. I just read it to you right here. Verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. By default, instinctively. But we can. That is how we get to having God's thoughts be our thoughts. God's ways be our ways. Through his word. That's how. This is how you get there. This is how you become truly one with God and walk with him on earth before you even get to heaven. This is how. The beautiful B-I-B-L-E. The Holy Bible. This is how. Walk with God on earth as Adam did. I, uh, I want to go to a video. Let's see here real quick if I could find it. I also have a video to show you um, of Ray Comfort today. Actually, we're just going to go to that right now. Ray has been putting out. I think the Holy Spirit is activated in Ray like never before. I've never seen Ray put out multiple videos a week. He's done that sometimes, but not as much as he's been doing it lately, which also should let you and everybody else know God has his people working overtime. Why? Do you know who Hamas? God has his people working overtime. And the question is, why? Well, we're going to go to a little bit of Ray Comfort right now, ladies and gentlemen. So it's a treat on a Monday. Ray Comfort, Living Waters. Let's go. Hamas invaded Israel and slaughtered hundreds of innocent people, including women and children. Israel responded with a payback by bombing key areas of the Gaza Strip. That's left those in the know extremely nervous because if Arab nations respond by attacking Israel, it could potentially draw the United States and Great Britain and many other nations into a world war with no end in sight. Do you find the future fearful? Very fearful. What scares you about the future? Not knowing how it's going to end. Israel became a nation in 1948 after 2,000 years without a homeland. Many Bible scholars saw this as a fulfillment of Bible prophecy spoken by Jesus and the Old Testament prophets. Any talk of Bible prophecy and wars being a sign of the end of the age never fails to stir up skeptics who say that these signs have always been around. Ironically, they themselves are fulfilling Bible prophecy. Look at the specific wording of 2 Peter 3, 3-6. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Scripture says that there will be scoffers in the last days who will walk after their own lusts. And so they scoff and say something like, Wars are a sign of the end. You've been saying that for years. Things are just the same as they've always been. 
They say this because they wrongly think that God's time frame is the same as ours. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is not willing that any perish. In fact, His great love is seen by His command for us to take the gospel to the lost. Amen. Now watch as I bring up prophecies and end-time events with these college students. Make sure you watch until the end. You won't want to miss it. Do you love life? Yeah, it's fun. Do you ever study Bible prophecy? I don't study it, but my brother has mentioned some prophecies in that Israel is going to be the last like warning that we're going to get before the Antichrist comes. Ever try to take your own life? Um, yeah. <laughs> and are you afraid of dying? Notice yeah. how she laughs. It's like my biggest fear. If you died today, where would you go? I'm not sure, but I'm working on that. Are you a good person? No, I'm trying. So you've done things that are morally wrong that God frowns on? Yeah. You lied and stolen? Used his name in vain? Yeah. Looked at women with lust? Yes. Yeah, Jesus said when you do that, you commit adultery in your heart. Had sex before marriage? So here's a quick summation. You've just told me you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, fornicating adulterer at heart. So when you stand before God on Judgment Day, you're going to be innocent or guilty? I'm going to be guilty. Heaven or hell? Hell. Now, does that concern you? Yeah. Horrifies me. I've just met you, but I don't want you to get a hell. What did God do to save you from hell? God did something wonderful. Um, I'm not sure. Jesus died on the cross. Emily, the Ten Commandments are called the moral law. You and I broke the law. Jesus paid the fine. That's what happened on that cross. That's why he cried, it is finished, just before he died. He was saying, paid in full. If you're in court and you've got speeding fines and somebody else pays them, even though you're guilty, a judge will let you go. Yeah. And it's legal. Well, God can legally take the death sentence off you because Jesus paid the fine in his life's blood on that cross and rose from the dead and defeated death. And now God offers you everlasting life upon your repentance and faith in Jesus. And it says this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when are you going to repent and put your faith in Jesus? No. Are you sorry for your sins? I am. Can I pray with you? Yeah. Let's bear in prayer. You going to think about what we talked about? Yep. This like never happened before. You mean you've never heard something like this before? Yeah. So when are you going to repent and put your faith in Jesus? I'm going to try to. Today? Yeah. Would you be embarrassed if I pray for you? Uh, no. So let's bear in prayer. Okay. Can I give you a book I've written called Scientific Facts in the Bible? Yeah. And I'll give you another little booklet called Save Yourself Some Pain, Principles of Christian Growth, and a Gospel of John, which is the fourth book of the New Testament. So despite all these terrible things that are happening, be encouraged by one immutable fact. Nothing takes God by surprise. He knew the end from the beginning. And so you can trust him with all of your heart in these troubled times. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. Here are a few things to help you grow in your faith. The School of Biblical Evangelism textbook.
And ladies and gentlemen, you can go to Living Waters on YouTube. And Ray Comfort also has his own channel called, I think it's just Ray Comfort. Um, but he does, he, he used to just do like Kirk Cameron and Ray Comfort. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm not on the thing here. Kirk Cameron and Ray Comfort, they actually um, created, with the help of other people, I, I should say, Living Waters, okay? And, but lately, Ray has gone back out on his own like he did before Living Waters, but he's still with Kirk Cameron. He's still with the other guys at Living Waters, but Kirk is now doing another show. Ray is out evangelizing like he, like his, like somebody's life depends on it. Amen. And um, it's really beautiful, beautiful to see. Now, it looks like Amy Mullins needs prayer. So if everybody could please put Amy Mullins in your prayer. And Amy, I don't know if you have Facebook or not. I don't. But there is an LFA family Facebook group page. There's also one on Getter too, isn't there, Eli? There's also one on Getter. But the Facebook one is probably the most active. And there you can find a prayer partner. You can find an LFA family member that lives in your state. We have thousands of people that watch, numerous people from, from every state in the nation and other countries too. So maybe, just maybe, you can find somebody in there or a group of people. This LFA family member transcends this one hour of time that we spend together, ladies and gentlemen. So join that Facebook page, okay? Find somebody to pray with. Find a prayer partner, a prayer, a prayer pal, a prayer buddy, and uh, we'll pray for you, Amy. I know that things are hard. Things are, things are so out of whack right now, but that's when, you know what? God, Jesus is found at rock bottom, and when things are out of whack, God's warriors are working overtime. I'm working overtime, and um, everything will be okay. Everything will be okay. Um, I want to read from God Moments for Men, Discipline. From 2 Timothy 1.7. For the spirit, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Remember that. I know there's a lot of people who are more and more uh, fearful every day they wake up. The spirit of God did not make us timid, but gives us power, love, love, and self-discipline, a discipline that all of us need more of, namely me. I've been really good at not swearing, Eli. I, maybe, I think I swore only maybe 10 times all weekend. And for me, that's huge. So I'm working on that myself. 2 Timothy 1.7, okay? Now this is the, the, the explanation. Discipline is a big battle for me. I'm not disciplined enough with my diet. That I'm actually doing pretty good on, actually. My constant procrastinating on getting things done is definitely a lack of discipline. If I were more disciplined, I'd stick to the things a little longer to see a reward for doing so. But so often I give up because I just don't like to do, I just don't like to do pain. Pain is a four-letter word. Being disciplined requires consistency. Another thing I struggle with, that's not me, that's this book. It seems that inconsistency is one of the few constants in my life. Being disciplined means putting in more effort so you can get where you're going. When I fail to stay the course and put it in the hard work, 
I'm often filled with a regret that eventually eats at me because I know that I, if, had I stayed true to what I was aiming for, I could have hit the mark, maybe even a bullseye. Don't sell yourself short. God put you here for a very specific reason. Okay? And that wasn't to pay him anything. Everything on this earth belongs to him anyway. It wasn't to hurt you. It wasn't to make you go crazy. It wasn't, make, it wasn't to make you try to obtain this unattainable thing called heaven. Because your works, ladies and gentlemen, are already, the work has been done. Your works are just by default by a new heart. Those works that you're doing are not going to get you into heaven. Jesus paid the price so you can get in for free, 99. However, your works in God, in Christ, by God's will, is the best way to spread the gospel. If you're one of those people that are shy, even though you're not supposed to be timid, God commands you, be strong like Ray. But if you're one of those people who are shy and get tongue twisted, maybe you just can't speak the right words that you want to say, then show by actions. Spread the gospel by your actions, your works. And don't do it for a specific reason. Do it because God does it. That's your specific reason. Not, well, I, if I do this, then I won't drink. If I do this, then I won't do drugs. Don't do it for that reason. That's just a beautiful part of it. That's the icing on top of the cake. If I do this, I won't, you know, yell or scream. No, just you want to be like God to be like God. You want to be like God because that's how you're going to be in heaven. So you might as well learn how to be like it now. You understand? Anyway, folks, I do want to thank you very much for being here with me today on this beautiful Monday morning, October 16th. Today is my father's birthday, my dad's birthday. And uh, I want to read something to you while we have a couple minutes left. I know it might sound cheesy, but I didn't have a dad growing up. My dad was in a different sit, uh, state, and uh, my mom kind of took me from my dad, and I never had a, I never knew, really knew my dad. And when I did find out, find out, you know, and go and live with my dad, he didn't want me anyway. And I've told you that story. He said that a million times. So I have, even in prison, I wrote my dad 52 letters, and he never wrote one back. I always, always, always needed some kind of something from my dad until Christ came. When Christ came into my life, I didn't need that from my dad anymore. I love my dad. I forgave my dad. I know my dad did whatever he could do at that time, and I'm close to my dad now like I never thought I would be. But I want to read something for you. Friday, out of nowhere, my dad sent me this. Again, out of nowhere, and my dad has never said anything like this to me in his life. Ever. Not once. Here's what he said to me. To my son, never forget how much I love you. I promise you that I will always be in one of three places. In front of you to cheer you on. Behind you to have your back. And next to you so you will never feel alone. Love you always, my son. So immediately I dropped to my knees and prayed and gave thanks to the Lord because 
I've been waiting to hear that for 44 years. So this morning, today's his birthday. I said, happy birthday, Dad. I always wished we had our whole lives together. I think about the days of throwing baseballs and fishing that we missed. But I'm grateful we are still able to reconcile after all those years. I love you. And he said, thank you, son. I'll call you today. Call you tonight. Love you so much. So there's some happy tears to leave you with. Been waiting so long to hear that. (laughs) I finally got to hear it. So it was nice. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it uh, for uh, Rise Up. I want to thank you for being here this morning and listening to God's beautiful word. And what a day. What a time to be alive. What a time to be a Christian. Sean Farish is coming up next with Ungoverned. Thank you guys for being here. I'll take you out with a little music, and then I'll see you in an hour for Live from America. God bless each and every one of you. Continue to go to God. Continue to spread the gospel, guys. Uh, It won't let you down. All right? I love you. God bless. See you later. He's not done until it's good. So hello, peace. Hello, joy. Hello, love. Hello, strength. Hello, hope. It's a new horizon. Hello, peace. Hello, joy. Hello, love. Hello, strength.